0: Welcome to the next episode of The Network Perspective. Uh, Today, we have the pleasure of Jacob uh, Smith, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Packet, um, a leading provider of uh, infrastructure and cloud services, uh, particularly focused on uh, the new wave of distributed computing environments. And uh, we're going to have a little chat and get uh, Jacob's perspective on a whole bunch of things today. So uh, welcome, Jacob.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Fantastic. So so before we, we get into it, why don't you you know give the audience a little introduction and, and a little bit about packet?
1: Um, sure thing. Well, so we just turned five years old. So we had our fifth birthday last week.
0: Congratulations. So, yeah,
1: thanks. It's good to be alive. It's good to be Uh, In the business and we started packet which as you can tell for your audience is a you know The one thing you have to buy from a cloud provider is network So when you were thinking of a name uh, packet, you know Quickly bubbled to the top and it's been an awesome ride because you know when you when you start digging digging into it everything touches the network, right? Um, So just a little background we started five years ago with a vision really to kind of do the opposite of what you know all the big cloud providers were doing at the time which we like to say, you know, hyperscale is all about putting a lot of the same thing in a few places. And we thought there was a real future in being good at doing the opposite, which is putting a lot of different things in a lot of places. And that meant when you start thinking about, you know, the yin and yang of scale, you know, whenever you're getting to really big scale, you start to wrap the hardware around the software and that 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 sort of idea of building the whole stack um, really, really got us excited. Because developers are so curious and empowered, you know, with with cloud sort of unleashing, you know, just millions of developers to touch infrastructure. We thought, what if we could give them that experience, but on bespoke and physical infrastructure, if we could automate that, you know, if we could do that, then developers would, you know, you know, just keep going and keep going down the stack, go further down um, as you guys know, touching the network, that, that seemed an impossible thing years ago. And Now it's like, of course, we're going to reinvent the network, right? <laughs> so that was the sort of vision was we thought software developers um, could go all the way down the stack and touch all the parts of the infrastructure uh, if we if we automated it. So we've been on that journey for the last five years, starting with public cloud, uh, which was our you know sort of ticket to the dance, make sure that people could um, could could kind of experience that. And then, like you said, more recently, really moving out into distributed uh, footprints. So we're in about 22 public facilities around the world with a couple dozen private facilities that we deploy for customers. Uh, but we offer that sort of cloud experience wherever we go.
0: That's great. Uh, I mean, you mentioned something that's really interesting as, you know, it's driving the distribution of computing, uh, the, the edge environments, um, is giving... Uh, the developers the means to produce uh, bespoke solutions everything isn't a horizontal cookie cutter uh, it can align to specific use cases but just as easily to different verticals and we had a guest on before you from Car uh, you CarSpec, and who is the CEO of uh, dart points yeah. he was mentioning how different it is out there right now he's dealing with you know, 20, 30 different approaches to edge solutions based on, in particular, industries um, Mm -hmm. that all have specific requirements. So it's interesting and and actually encouraging to, to hear that Packet is providing that environment for developers where you're sort of stuck in a framework.
1: Yeah, we like to say that we, I mean, like, you know, you always have your core values you come back to when you... We get lost along the, the way of, of building your product and trying to go to market. And for us, we try to stay really fundamental. So we call it fundamental infrastructure. How low can we go and how few opinions can we bring to it? Because, you know, like you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of diversity out there. And I think that makes a lot of sense uh, because when you start paying a premium or doing the work to be, you know, at the edge or just to move beyond us East, right. Just to kind of, start giving more opinion about what kind of infrastructure and where it goes. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people do that, but they're all unique. They're not generic. Um, I mean, there are some generic use cases, uh, and I think those are kind of obvious, but there's a lot of really unexpected, uh, unique uh, infrastructure stacks that people, that they need it for their business. And so we like to describe the edge uh, right now is not about latency, but just about enterprise, right? When you start talking about telco use cases or, you know, mobility or entertainment or anything else, I would just describe that as like, you know, a big business that cares a lot about what kind of experience they want to deliver with technology. And so they have a lot of um, requirements that are different from each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's exactly right. The, everything emanating out of the customer experience, uh, whether it's real time, near real time, immersive. There's a privacy issue. There's an autonomy. Whatever it ends up being. So
1: many different reasons. Yeah. And some ton- some of them are not good reasons. Some of them are just <laughs> like this is the way we want to do it. And you know what? <laughs>
0: that's how it is sometimes. Exactly. The customer's already right. Remember. That's
1: what I. That's what I, re- that's what I remember. That's at least that's mind.
0: what. At least that's what you tell them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so what do you? So let's let's get into a little on the use cases. So, from a packet perspective, what, and, and as the edge is starting to really accelerate, what what are you seeing as some of the predominant use cases today?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well. So we're really focused on deploying today use cases. So I like to say that we're not yet building for the self driving taxi with robot surgery. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. But we are doing um, a number of uh, what I would call hybrid cloud deployments, mainly for telco. So one uh, one public customer we have their Sprint with their Curiosity IoT, and what they do is they build sort of a you know a unique Sprint network, a custom network for for different enterprises. Right. So they go and um, I think they've talked a lot about the University of Arizona. Right. So they're providing IoT services on a custom built network for the University of Arizona. And so what do they need? They need infrastructure in Phoenix, right? (laughs) They can't be in like Ohio. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it doesn't need to be like two milliseconds, but it needs to be in region. And so we've been taking them into, um, they basically, as they sell uh, their own customer, then they give us a list and say, go here. 10 more sites, we need them, you know? And they're really weird places. Sometimes it's Phoenix and, you know, Detroit. And sometimes it's like, you know, you know, totally random cities where you're like, there's no Equinix there. <laughs> and so that's a, a hybrid cloud use case in my mind, because it's not really crazy infrastructure. You know, we're talking about uh, you know, Dell servers and, and 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 OpenStack kind of stuff. And so that's a really common one we're seeing today, which is like I just need to be in region. The other one is much more tied to wireless use cases. We're seeing that evolve all as well as the 5G stuff pushes out on a broader scope. And that's um You know companies like we deploy for Hatch, which is a mobile gaming um, provider. They help they help to provide sort of real time mobile gaming through wireless providers. And so as they partner and deploy, they need you know a mixture of x eighty six and ARM servers um, nearby the carrier networks. So that's that's what we're seeing today on our side. That are most interesting. Um, What's coming next is I think a really broad set of use cases. There's the old you know. If you love 5G, wait till 6G, you know, right, <laughs> thing, right? which is like, you don't really know what the use cases are until you kind of are out there. And I think that's true around a lot of the edge use cases that people have been thinking about, you know, they just haven't been created uh, at scale because, you know, we're not there yet. And from an infrastructure standpoint, you have to really know your use case in order to go and say, take me to these, you know, 40 locations.
0: Right, right. I, I mean it sounds like just from what you're talking about that we're still super early in the distributed edge play here
1: yeah, especially the way that that the industry talks about it, which is like super low latency, I think that that's um i don't know you you might have more information and insight than I do here, but my feeling is that it, that the internet hasn't really shifted dramatically in a generation, you know like the the physical interconnection points of one Eleven Eighth Avenue and 1 Wilshire and, you know, <clears throat> you know, 60 Hudson are still like where the internet essentially lives. And that's, you know, so in some sense, the edge is the equinix. <laughs> right. Until we shift the network, right? Until we kind of provide a benefit to be further out. Now, I think the regional edge is clear. Like that's happening now. And you see that with everyone from, you know, obviously the Netflixes of the world have been there for a long time. The cloud flares of the world, and the Akamai's—they know where that is, and that's getting in region into Nashville and into Jakarta and wherever else. The sort of edge we talk about in terms of like immersive, low latency everywhere, sub millisecond or five millisecond—I think that depends on. You know the connectivity solution around it evolving. You know, in building DAS, localized CDRs, you know, new five G deployments, and that's that's still coming.
0: Yeah, it's coming. It's uh, the, it, we'll see how how fast that permeates around the world, but it's clearly coming, and there's some really interesting use cases coming sure. uh, that we're dealing with as well. So, so that that's a good segue to as as the edge and as as customers need to provide. An edge-enabled customer experience, and the world moves from a, a centralized computing model to more of a decentralized or distributed or edge environment. What did what did Packet see as some of the challenges from a technical perspective um, as you guys push forward?
1: I wish I wish I were like the super geek. There's a, actually a, a laundry list of technical issues. I think the biggest ones though have been business issues. Right? It's just expensive to roll, like, let's call it centralized, you know, rack and switching models out to tiny deployments, <laughs> you know, cause you can't, you can't make enough money, you know, you can't get enough sort of usage to justify that sort of big boy deployment. So you really have to shrink things down cost wise and get much more agile and, you know, you might say software driven, um, you know, to, to be able to make that make economic sense. Uh, otherwise you just start sinking Uh, capital into potential deployments Um, so so the cost is a big driver and then the logistics is the other one Um, so getting stuff in and out of market is not something we as a supply chain and an industry are good at you know for like I mean you want to do 5,000 racks in Ashburn there's like a really good proven model for that (laughs) you want to do a half rack in Kansas City like it's really hard (laughs) so I think I think that there's a lot of work on those which inform some of the technical things we're working on hardware delivery, hardware design, obviously network architecture, you know, you would know well on white box switching and sort of software-enabled networks. These are all really big and I wouldn't say they're rocket science problems, but we're just kind of limbering up as an ecosystem to make that actually work at scale.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that the last, there were a few of the previous guests that mentioned the whole supply chain logistical aspect mm-hmm. of getting things out there, uh, you know, starting with, you know, a couple sites, and then you have customers that are demanding a 100 sites. Yeah. So you get into the, you know, exponential set of challenging requirements that people weren't prepared for, uh, as opposed to the hardcore, the additional hardcore technology issues. Okay. Um, it, was, it was another interesting point you just made uh, about the cost. Um, and what we're seeing is, uh, which shouldn't be a shock to folks, or, or or maybe it's it's a surprise as they think about it, as they are thinking about deploying into a distributed environment and trying to leverage the solutions that they've used in a centralized, let's call it classic data center design. Still, right. you know, revolving around cloud, they run into it. Just can't you just can't apply those practices to a distributed environment? You have massive hardware redundancy in a centralized yes. environment you have right. automation but you don't have orchestration you have a lot yeah. of people uh, you don't have the remoteness the unmanned and security guards and uh right. trap yeah <laughs> and you, you get into where we like to say and you know we'll, we'll take pride in this you're you're overbuilding you're overstaffing and you're overpaying as you yeah. distribute out and you just can't go there and it goes right back to everything ends up being really really expensive um, and, if you, and apply, the the yeah, if you
1: yeah. apply the same model, yeah, you apply the same it just doesn't, it doesn't scale down super well. And I think anyone who's been, I would say, living in subscale, like doing, you know, one to 10 racks of IT equipment knows that they have none of the advantages cost-wise of, of the, you know, people who are doing it at scale, web scale, hyperscale. So just take that even more extreme, right? And the architecture just has, and I think that's what's really exciting about the edge is that it's just a different architecture we're developing. Now, it touches all parts of it. Just like, you know, if you look back, what's happened at Hyperscale Providers, they've re-architected everything from the data center to the hardware to the software, you know, around the use case. And they've done an amazing job working in tandem with technology providers, supply chain, open source, right? To really kind of like, I mean, come a long way in 10 years. And I think there's a similar kind of effort going on with regards to the edge. What's interesting about it is that um, you've got these two really different groups of people in my mind, you've got like, telcos and large providers who are naturally pretty experienced at putting a lot of things in a lot of places and running networks like that, okay? And then you've got the other end of the world which is like, huh, I'm a cloud native developer and never even seen a data center. (laughs) And I think those worlds are so interesting when we put sort of the picks and shovels of infrastructure together with like, you know, infrastructure enabled developers, uh, I have no idea how it will end up, but I think it's super, super interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's our, our sweet spot right now as we're looking at bringing essentially DevOps and NetOps together. Uh, Which are separate worlds? DevOps, super fast. Have you know, uh, the principles have been embraced by compute and application development and storage and all that good stuff. And and networking just seems to hang out there, if not part of the uh, the DevOps principle party. Um, And what do you think?
1: What do you think about some of the areas that maybe have already been touched by that? I think of like DNS as something that you know used to be real net ops, right? Get a change ticket and do the thing, and now you've got you know obviously, you know, companies like NS1 and whatever doing a DevOps model for DNS. And I see the beginnings of that. If we can fix BGP, we're going to be in great shape. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to come, you know, and, and I think it goes back to, uh, it's, not so, it's not the technology, it's the organizational inertia. The culture, right? Yeah, you've got to bring, you know, DevOps live in their own world, NetOps live, and, and, and to be honest, the NetOps guys are, they're, they're measured differently. As you have the DevOps guys spinning and and, and cycling awesome. and life cycle and moving fast and weaving and bobbing, you've got the NetOps folks who have a very static, brittle environment where, hey, let's not touch the network if we don't have to. Oh, so absolutely. the whole idea of speed and efficiency and agility, you've got to have an overarching organizational shift where those teams are really working very closely. And there's 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 a management structure that really brings those together. And there, to be honest, there aren't a lot of organizations that have that today.
1: Well, that's what they say, right? Culture trumps strategy. And I think that's, it's sort of, I don't wanna say it's inevitable. And like, we're not talking dinosaurs here. What we're talking about is like an area that developers have inherently not been able to touch, right? So let's call it like large-scale global networks, you know, top of our switches, you know, and routers, and then things like wireless. But all of those things are going to be software enabled. It's just inevitable. There's too much pressure. Um, and too much advantage, like you say, for getting that cultural transformation that says we can actually move fast with this. So it's, I mean, for me, to stand in for that is when you can start to CI your network. You know, if you can CI CD uh, and and start doing doing your network that way. Uh, you know, that's obviously where some I'd say some companies are probably there. We just, you know, they don't expose that in the same way. But but the opportunity is is really massive to make that cultural shift that has kind of. Uh, happens already in in the developer, you know, the developer land of cloud.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and and you know, from from our perspective, being network focused, we want to bring networking into the party. It just seems to always be ten to fifteen years behind, for okay. some some reason. You know, we can go into that in another call, but uh, it just seems. Maybe and we to do we bring it into you the demo world. We step want step to bring.
1: You know, skip landlines line and go right to cell phones, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, we, you, you hit it all right, on the, right on the nose there. We want to bring CICT to infrastructure. And today, networking is not part of the party. So if we can, if we can you know, whatever you want to call it, infrastructure, code, whatever, um, we're doing that via, you know, Kubernetes and networking, which is a unique approach. Um, right. But But doing that so the DevOps folks do have the opportunity to deploy and upgrade and you know uh, and, and start with top of rack and and just move yeah, and through and the same forward.
1: And, and and innovate i think innovates i mean it's an overused word but what is it that like velocity it's not about just moving fast break and breaking stuff i think that's kind of maybe a dangerous thing for global networks but the idea that you can dev test push automate collaborate you know expand the surface area you know really allow more people into the Party itself, um, I, I think that's that's the big one. It's not just moving faster, which of course is important, um, but innovation really comes from access, right? If you don't have access, and you can't touch it. It's really hard to do anything with it, and I think that's what's really exciting about um, this next phase of edge, um, which we often think of in a physical or almost geographical sense, but it's really it's really the network and like pushing our ideas around infrastructure, you know, only a few companies in the world right now operate in more than 20 or 30 locations. Right? Why not hundreds or thousands? There's no actual problem there, aside from it's, you know, it's not been done a lot. And so that's that's to me that access component is so important um, if we want to get an innovation on it.
0: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the the, comp- the ability to do that uh, given, you know, so much value from a business perspective is in those applications and the ability to deploy and upgrade features, functionality, deal with security issues, <clears throat> simplify the whole operational model. If you aren't thinking that way, to your point, then you're at a massive competitive disadvantage. I mean, we can we can just talk about that flippantly, but it's so true. It's, and today, when we're seeing the lack of that devops netOps alignment, the network becomes and you know I'm not screaming wolf here the network becomes a huge business inhibitor and people, uh, yeah and a lot of people aren't thinking about it
1: I mean that's going back to why we named ourselves packet, which is super fun because most people are like your compute focused company and <laughs> and that thing where you know you, you really have to consume the network from a cloud provider, but you really don't get to touch it and it's almost like a glass ceiling or a glass floor, I guess you'd call it, that I think breaking that is really powerful and allowing more companies to say like, Oh, I, I have like ways in which I could use that. I could do something with that. I mean, just look at, you know, we often talk about, you know, an edge use cases like mobile gaming. And certainly, you know, that's interesting. You could, you could maybe consume more places of presence and, you know, and get yourself out there. But if you can't also innovate and touch core aspects of, 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 the network, can you really win it? You know, versus say a Google who obviously can innovate throughout the stack. I think that's the kind of world we're getting into with, <clears throat> with edge. It's not an every man's game, but it, it is going to be an innovators
0: game. Yeah. Well, well said. So if, you were to 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 provide advice to the industry today, you know as customer requirements evolve <clears throat> more decentralized models, more immersive experiences real time near real time whatever it ends up being hybrid and the the edge really begins to take off what what's the advice you give to actually first from a from a technology vendor perspective what 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 are they not doing if, You know, when you're in a great position because you're, you obviously have relationships with a whole bunch of different vendors, but what are you seeing as some of the big gaps today? Your words of wisdom to the industry. Oh gosh,
1: you, you, you just opened up the world for me so I get to talk more. <laughs> that's <is> great.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I, well, there's, there's two, if I can say two. The first one is like catch a rabbit. That's an old phrase from Intel. You know, like, go get the, the leading use case and just lean in on it, right? The one that's ready to do things now listen super hard because, you know, we all have ideas, but go and find the ones that are ready to go uh, and really listen to what they need. So that's the first thing. That's just like, I think, good business practice. Um, for the industry, I think where our challenge lies is, um, and for me, one of the biggest parts about the edge is actually that, the, you know, at the same time, we're reinventing and moving around the wireless network and all kinds of things. Hardware is really changing much faster. and. The access to those technology innovators down below, let's just call them like the intellectual property makers, um, whether it's hardware or software, silicon, all that kind of stuff, to the end user who's now like a cloud native developer type, or at least one, you know, that's what that's what we're going towards. The gap between those is so big. And we need to make it easier. We need to make it not like, well, give me your tens of millions of dollars and your long-term commitments and your things, and then I'll ship you the box. That's a really hard thing to sell to a fast-moving, you know, changing kind of like if I don't if it doesn't work well this way, I'm going to change it next year. You know, kind of consumer. I think we have to like figure out how we're going to do what you maybe see in I don't know the mobile phone industry where you're you get a new Apple phone every year if you want it. And it's really hard to do that with infrastructure and infrastructure related things because the way the industry works is like, okay, now you buy it and own it for the next 10 years. (laughs) And I think that that's completely unrealistic. Um, And so somehow we have to work together to like get that technology and that product to the buyer in a more fluid way. Uh, It's just too too, um, friction filled
0: right now so you're looking at let, let's uh let's uh let me poke at that for a second so are you sure. th- well the, the traditional capex buy for hardware mm-hmm. software you know and then you see everything else soft software in general uh moving towards the SaaS model w- would you see hardware and software from an infrastructure perspective moving a whole lot faster to more of a multi-year subscription model or some way to, to consume yeah. it in a more OPEX-oriented way that lines with where the world's going? Or what do you have in mind? Think,
1: yeah, there's a, there's a mixture. There are a lot of different ideas. But let's think about it. The cloud is currently like a really good way to take OPEX and turn it into, or CAPEX, and turn it into OPEX for people. Right? It's basically like, I buy it, and then I rent it to you. <laughs> right. And I do it over a period of time. I squeeze out a lot of value. And that works, I think, for fairly generic stuff. I think when you start getting to specialize and you also see hardware... Silicon moving a lot faster. It's just innovating faster. Um, it's that moment for silicon, but also for other parts of the stack uh, that want to, I think, innovate more at software speed than at sort of traditional infrastructure speed. So it could be, you know, just inviting like parts of the supply chain up. And right now, the way it works is like I bunch of, I buy a bunch of stuff, you know, from an OEM or an ODM you know, who, who in, in the end is paying like an Intel or a Broadcom or whatever, right? And then I sort of price it, guess what the market wants, and sell it to them, okay? And it may be a, in, a, in a sort of OPEX model, right? But I think we, in order to be successful at the edge especially, we need a, a less verticalized stack in which we splice it a little bit more and allow different parts to come up and say, oh, like, I can put this in the market for you, but then I want a revenue revenue share on it. You know, so like I could upgrade that for you every year because, you know, the new GPUs are way better than the old GPUs, right? <laughs> you know, some sort of way in which we can do, I think, what the hyperscalers are doing. You look at uh, Facebook and they're cycling their infrastructure out every three to four years completely. You know, they're bringing in new technology in a really big way. Can every company do that? I don't think so. And so we have to figure out a model in which we help, you know, for a premium. It doesn't have to be cheaper. It just has to be the right to play with that speed. So I don't know the model, but I'm really interested in removing the friction because otherwise I think you just slow down what and narrow the market, right? You get down to a much narrower group of customers who can invest at that scale.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's super interesting. So you go from bringing from a customer perspective and customer, you're bringing all of the value of the public cloud best practices containers, and abstraction, and automation, and microservices, and DevOps, and speed, and all that, and then you sort of drill down onto it, well, how how do they make that happen to provide that type of innovation in a really fast, uh, you know, fast, uh, uh, you know, tempo. Tempo, It's it's super hard, and can you bring that to I don't want, you know, beyond the hyperscalers, can you bring that type of tempo and velocity of innovation and, uh, you know, life cycle where you, 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 you mimic if you're, you know, not, if you're similar to packet, you're similar to somebody else in the ecosystem, you have the ability to innovate and deliver that value to the customer from right. the underlying technology as fast as the hyperscales do.
1: Yeah. And let's just, pre- let's take a totally fake uh, example. Let's just say we're you know, BMW and we want to win, Um, mobility right and you know not to pick winners and losers here but there's a number of companies who are gonna try to do the same thing probably not dozens maybe there's like ten you know that are gonna try to also win mobility and um, if they're all playing with the same general stack you know there's a a limited surface area that they can innovate on now what if uh, you know Uh, Google decides or Amazon decides that they also want to be winning mobility. I think there's investments going on to do that. (laughs) Now they can distribute their technology opinion, make Silicon do the whole thing, run a global network, lay lay cables in the bottom of the ocean, you know, whatever really they want. They're really investing aggressively at a scale, hyperscale that others cannot. So my, my thesis is that if you want to have you know, that rich 10 to 15 big companies working in mobility, that we're gonna need to figure out how the technology down below, whether it's hardware, silicon software, innovation, whatever, can be consumed and deployed and life-cycled by a BMW or a Ford or some upstart, right? Who has the better software, the better idea, the better car, I don't know what. They have some value, but they also need to kind of access and define more value down below in order to, you know, do all the things more cost effectively or provide a better experience. And I think that's, that's the story of the edge is that it's, it's sort of like if the public cloud is sort of the retail bank on the corner works for most people, you know, the edge is a good example of like the private bank (laughs) Mm -hmm. and right now you kind of have to build your own bank, you know, it's like, well, you don't have a bank. I mean, you can't use the corner bank or the public cloud will build your own. And how do we make it so there's like a wealth management firm in the middle <laughs> who can be like, well, look, I, I can help you do that. You're already you really smart. You have lots of money. All these things aren't your problem. But move faster, like access weird markets, get new technology in a fluid way. I think there's a really interesting friction that we can as an ecosystem remove there.
0: I, I think you're right. And it goes right back to what we were talking about a half an hour ago about at the edge. It's about... Uniqueness, bespoke solution, something aligned to the particular business needs of a customer as opposed to a horizontal, homogeneous solution. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. The hyperscalers have done a fantastic job and they'll continue to thrive in the future. But in those use cases that require that, uh, that business-specific solution for a particular person off of Main Street that wants to deal with their local bank, um, you're right. There needs to be a whole lot more, and it's an overused word, but a whole lot more flexibility and agility in that, those internal dynamics.
1: And I think one last thing, which would be fun to kind of chew on, is I think there's going to be a lot of overdeployed special stuff out there, uh, and so certainly sharing the risk is important, and then figuring out how to monetize it. You know, so that's to me, you know, really an important part of how we build marketplaces and other ways in which and that's why it has to be so flexible you can't just sort of set it and say it's always mine and i'll never let anyone else touch it because i'm just using it for me is because you there may be times when you don't need it all and i think there's a real interesting scarcity problem at the edge that we can unleash um more flexibility like that word by creating futures markets and really extending spot markets and other ways in which Someone like a let's just take our friend BMW could decide, hey, it's worth it for me to go and deploy two hundred million dollars to put infrastructure out there, but I don't need it all the time, and I want to, you know, share it or I want to like, I don't know, de-risk the situation. I think some of that right now is on the cloud provider or on the packet, but um, I think we'll see more enterprises getting in or more even different kinds of providers, whether it's like real estate providers, you know. Other people who have the ability to deploy capital and get IT equipment out there might look to do that and help the ecosystem move along, but then there's got to be a better marketplace for how we say, well, I'd really like to access you know, uh, infrastructure that's within five milliseconds of these places. You know, Can I borrow some for a premium because it's the Super Bowl and I need to be by the Super Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> um, that kind of uh, ecosystem and even DevOps world doesn't exist yet. Because right now it's like the U.S. East. It doesn't tell you like which networks, how close are you, what's the user experience at the end of it. So lots of things to figure out there, which I think are super cool.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're harking back to some attempts about five years ago. I was involved at one at Hewlett Packard Enterprise and, and at others, Cisco and others, um, that attempted to create uh, an, an ecosystem of, of, let's call it homogeneous public clouds. Okay around the world where you could you would have a marketplace uh it would be a a, a partnership where if an at&t didn't have a footprint in venezuela uh, there would be a partner that would be seamlessly enabled uh, and the customer could transition right in there uh, a lot of things would be transparent uh from a pricing from a technology perspective but that that, that was a dream that kind of fell off the cliff really quickly Right. But, 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 you know, with, with where you're going, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's it's, it's uh, a, it, that, 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 that idea should be revitalized.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Well, a lot, a lot of it goes back to the networks and stuff. So it's super fun to be geeking out with network people. Uh, I think we need more of them. It'll be uh, a really interesting world for people who want to dig down into the networks and bring their software experience to it. And so one thing I would say to your earlier point about access and, you know, networks is there's a lot of room. We've seen so much examples that we've exposed low level parts of infrastructure where software developers and network and physical infrastructure people meet. Um, They learn so much from each other and it's super exciting. And so I think inviting more people into the network, like what you guys are doing is um, fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to wrap up here. Yeah, that, that's the whole point is really uh, amping up the the collaboration across the industry because there is so much to learn from each other and, and help uh, you know, mutually mutually grow the pie uh, as we go forward. But I um, want to thank you, Jacob, for being on. This was great. Um, hopefully, uh, I, and, and I believe so, uh, there was a lot of words of wisdom that I think people will appreciate out there as people are trying to to grasp what's going on as the world moves to a more distributed model. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully have you on in the future and you can give, uh, you know, a new perspective about where Packet is going uh, uh, as, uh, as the market really accelerates. So with awesome. that, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm Steve Deitch. I'm the chief revenue officer at SnapRoute. Uh, we've had Jacob Smith, the CMO at Packet, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks. Take care, Steven. Thank you.